Proverbs 16, 1 says this, the preparations of the heart in man and the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes, but the Lord weigheth the spirits. Commit thy works unto the Lord and thy thoughts shall be established. The Lord hath made all things for himself, yea, even the wicked for the day of evil. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you for your love, your mercy. We thank you for your watching over us. Lord, help me to preach this morning. And Lord, I pray that you would draw us closer to you, that you would touch the lost, the backslider, the Christian. Uh, Lord, all of us that we could be found doing your will. Lord, we love you. We thank you for all things. In Jesus' name we pray and amen. So Proverbs chapter 1 tells us that uh, almost all of the Proverbs, except for the last couple, were written by Solomon. That is King David's son. King Solomon wrote these. Uh, and uh, uh, this is just a small collection because 1 Kings 4.32 or says he spoke a thousand Proverbs and wrote over a thousand songs. So we don't have everything Solomon wrote, uh, but we have a good chunk of it. We have the peace that God wants us to have. And 1 Kings and 2 Chronicles tells us how Solomon got this wisdom. He didn't get it by accident. He didn't get it by, uh, you know, studying and different things like that. He asked God for it. And he could have asked God as king for peace. He could have asked God for riches. He could have asked God, the, the Bible says, for the life of his enemies, for the, that his enemies would perish. But he didn't ask for any of those things. He asked for wisdom from God. So God gave him all of the things, not just wisdom. Uh, so he uh, had more riches than any other man that's ever lived. He had more wisdom than any other man other than Jesus Christ that walked on this earth. Uh, you know, so he lived in peace. He was able to build the temple that his father David wanted to build. Uh, but so we see uh, there is so much wisdom and instruction and really the book of Proverbs is not that big. And I'm glad uh, when it was a long time ago, uh, Brother Mike, and I can't even think of his last name off the top of my head, but we were in a uh, church camp together. We were both counselors in the same cabin and he told the young men, he said, you get the book of Proverbs and you read a chapter every day. He just said, you pick, you know, today's the 21st. You start on chapter 21. He said, it doesn't matter if you start in the middle. Uh, he said, there's 31 of them, one for every day and you just read it. And uh, I, I've been amazed whenever I've done that, uh, the, how much that I get from God's word. But I, I just want to dig a little bit into this. Uh, the first four verses Verses of chapter 16, look what it starts with. The preparations of the heart in man and the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. Now I'm going to tell you something that probably is not going to shock you, but we make plans, don't we? We make preparations for things. We make plans throughout our entire lives. Some plans are short-term, right? Like what real important things, some short-term things like where we're going to eat after service, right? Where, what are we going to, what are we going to do next? Uh, what are our plans later today or for tomorrow? But not, we also have longer-term plans too, right? Where we're going to college, you know, maybe if we're going to take a job or not, or those things are longer plans that, uh, you know, go out several years. And some plans we make are lifelong. 
like a marriage that needs to be lifelong if you're going to make that choice and those plans and different things. And, you know, we make personal plans, you know, that affect our lives. And then we make some of us make business plans, too. You know, we have businesses and uh, and different things like that. So we uh, are making plans all the time. And here's another thing that shouldn't surprise us either. You know, what happens a lot of times when we're trying to make these plans. We go to people we trust. Right? We go to people who know things about whatever that plan is, uh, and we talk it through with them. Maybe it's a spouse, maybe a friend, uh, you know, a parent with a child or a child with a parent or something like that. And, and this is nothing new. You know, these plans are not new. These plans, making them is not surprising. We do it all the time. But the second part of verse one is the surprising part. It says the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. If you want to see, you can go to a trusted friend or spouse or parent or something like that to run the plan by. But the Bible is saying if you want the best answer of whether a plan is good or not, of whether it's the right thing or not. Yeah, you can ask spouses, but the best place to go is the Lord. That's what it's saying right there. If you want to know, we need to run our plans past the Lord. Well, how do we do that? Well, number one, we pray about it. Amen. We we pray to the Lord and we tell him, uh, here's, you know, the uh, what my plan is. Here's what I'm thinking about doing. And then not only prayer, we get God's word out and we make sure that our plan is in alignment with God's word. And then not only that, we stop and listen. I'm bad about this. I don't know about you. I'll pray about something. And then as soon as I'm done praying, I'll go do something, right? I won't save any time for the Lord to talk to me about it and give me an answer because really it's almost, well, if I just check the prayer box, then obviously my plan will be okay, right? If I don't stop and wait, that's not what we need to do. The Lord's word is the final answer. That's what he's saying. He's got the answer and his words are true. His plan is the best for us. And also he has the final say in everything. You know, the Lord's got the final say. He's got the final say when it comes to Israel. You realize nations will come together and figure out what do we need to do in the Middle East? How are we going to bring peace and everything else? But the Lord's got the final say in Israel. He's got the final say in the church. Amen. Right. We can come up with things. We can say things. I'm glad Jesus Christ is the head of the church. He's got the final say in what it takes to get to heaven. There's a lot of people saying a lot of different ways to get to heaven. But I'm telling you what, there's only one way, and that's Jesus Christ. And he said it himself. He's the way, the truth, and the life. You know, the Lord has the final say on what's a sin or not. No matter what this world thinks, no matter what you and I think, it doesn't matter. He's got the final say. He's got the final say on what's moral and what's not. He's got the final say on on doctrine and different things like that uh, and on how we should live. And he has the final say on your life and my life. And one day we're going to stand before him and he's going to give judgment on our life. Well, if you're lost, it's one kind of judgment. And if you're saved, it's another kind of judgment. But either way, we're going to stand before Jesus Christ and he has the final say. And that's what people don't like today. They're saying, now, wait a second. I've got my plans I've got my short-term plans, my five-year plan, my long-term plan. This is what I want to do. And then we push God out of it, and then we expect God to bless it. He's got the final say. We've got to run it by him. You know what's easier? You know, instead of us making the plan and then trying to fit it into God's word and God's will, why don't we take God's will and God's word and make our plan from it? That's easier. Amen. Amen. 
Number one, I think of verse one, we've got to follow the Lord's plan. Look at verse two. All the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes, but the Lord weigheth the spirits. You realize when we look at our lives and when people in this world look at our at their own life, they look at their actions, what they do, they look at uh, what they say, their speech, they look at their conduct, and when they judge it themselves with their own eyes, what is the Bible saying? Every one of them says, what I'm doing is right. What I'm doing is clean. What I'm doing is moral. What I'm doing is uh, uh, is this or that. But we see uh, one of the things that I've noticed early on in my life is we show ourselves the most grace. I give myself more grace than any of you, right? That's what we do. We, we excuse more things for ourselves. There are things I excuse for myself. If you did that, I would never excuse it. You know what I would do? I would just assume the worst intentions for you and assume the best intentions for me. Right? That's what we do. What do we see? We see ourselves as right. And now think about today's society. Nothing is wrong today. Right? Nothing is wrong in this world. In fact, they'll take a sin and call it a lifestyle choice, right? That's just your choice. Uh, It should never be questioned. Nothing's out of bounds. And anything else today, this world says, as long as what you're doing feels good and feels right and makes you happy and brings satisfaction, then do it. Right? What do they say? Follow your passions. Love is love. They say all kinds of different things. And here's the thing. Our society has proven this verse correct more than ever, right? What's it saying? All the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes. This society is proving that true, aren't they? That's the direction they're going. But here's the problem. The Bible's also showing us one thing too. We are the worst judge of ourselves. We cannot judge ourselves at all. Because what we're going to do is say, I'm right. I'm clean. I'm okay. God's okay with it. And haven't you ran into people like that? I heard the other day, someone, or I saw it on, on Facebook or something, and they were saying something. They were living this awful lifestyle, and they're saying, well, God's okay with it. Him and I have talked it over, and we're pals, and he's okay with it. And I'm thinking, I don't know who you're talking to. But he's not okay with it because for him to be okay with your sinful lifestyle, he would have to abandon this and he's one in the same. He's not going to. He's not. We're not a good judge of our own character. If it looks right, then do it. That's what today's motto is with men. Proverbs 14, 12 is similar. It says this, there is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. So in our verse, it's uh, the ways of the of man look good, right? In his own eyes, they look good. And now Proverbs 14, 12, if, if a way seems good to a man, but the Lord's saying, hey, that way of thinking leads to death. If you're just looking around, seeing it, what looks good and doing that or what seems good, it's headed to death every time. Why? Because it leads to sin. It leads to pain. And ultimately, it leads to hell for an eternity. Let me ask you this question. How many times have you done something that seemed right, right? Something that seemed right in the beginning, but turned out to be a disaster. How many times have we done that? How many times have we done that with our own life? Amen. It seemed right. It looked good. It felt good. 
That's not the standard. But the Lord weigheth the spirits. You and I can see things on the outside. We can watch one another. We can see different things. But the Lord weighs. That means he measures. He judges the inside. He looks at the spirit or the uh, King James Version also says the heart in different places. Uh, he looks into our heart uh, to who we really are, what we really think, what's really going on on the inside. Uh, and one of the one of the chapters I love is 1 John 1. Uh, it's a hard chapter, uh, but one of the things it says is if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ his son cleanseth us from all sin if we say that we have no sin we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us but if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness if we say that we have not sinned we make him a liar and his word is not in us so I know that's a lot right there but one of the things he's saying right off the bat is if you say with your mouth you have fellowship with the Lord and you're walking in darkness the Bible says you're a liar amen the Bible says if then right after that he's saying if you're claiming you don't have any sin going on why because the eyes of men looking right what do we just read the eyes of uh, uh, all the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes if you're looking at yourself and saying everything's great I'm, I'm a good person everything's fine uh, the Bible says if we have no say that we have no sin we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us you're just deceiving yourself you're not deceiving others just yourself but aren't you glad we can confess our sins to Jesus Christ amen and he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. You know why he's faithful and just? I'm glad he put and just in there. Because uh, you seemingly, if we've committed a crime and he's going to forgive us of that crime, right? We committed sin and he's just going to wipe the sin away. That's not justice, Right? If a, someone murdered somebody and the court said, well, we're just going to forgive as if nothing happened, you're going to say, wait a second, that's, that's an injustice right there. Well, the Lord forgiving us would be an injustice if he didn't pay for the price of our sin on the cross, amen. amen. That's why he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What a blessing. I'm glad that God's judgment is different than our judgment. Only because I'm not as worried about him judging me because he already judged my sin on the cross and Jesus paid the penalty for it. Here's the thing. He sees our sinfulness. We see ourselves as honest, as fair, pretty good. But again, that just leads to hell. And I don't want to be in deception, but I want to be in forgiveness. So here's the thing. You may measure up at work. You may measure up at school. You may measure up at home. Like they may look at your life and say you're a good person. Uh, what do you always hear? He'll give you the shirt off his back and all those other things that people say. But how do you measure up to the Lord? Yeah. Right? That's what he's saying. How do you measure up? Well, how do we do that, Mike? The only way that I know to overcome the own bias that we have to not judge ourselves harshly at all is we take the real mirror right here, which is God's word, and see what it shows us about ourselves. Amen? Between that and the Holy Spirit, uh, we can really see who we really are. 
And once you see who you really are, which the Lord says and the Bible says is a sinner, then you can turn to Jesus Christ for forgiveness of sins. And then uh, after you're saved, you can keep turning back to him and say, you know what? I failed you again. I've let you down again. I need cleansing again, not forgiveness again, but I, I've gotten a little dirty again. Lord, can you cleanse me? Can you get me right back on the same path again? Can you help me out? And he will. Now, not if you're in denial. Not if you're looking at the regular mirror and say, man, look at that. That's good looking right there. Now, if you look at this mirror, yeah. see what it really shows. Yeah. Amen. Verse three, commit thy works unto the Lord and thy thoughts shall be established. You know, if you stop and look at this verse, this verse seems backwards, doesn't it? Look at it again. Commit thy works unto the Lord and thy thoughts shall be established. You know what we do? We establish our thoughts. We get our mindset and our mind made up. Then we commit our works, our actions, right? Unto the Lord. But that's not what the Bible says. And the world gets this backwards too. And we like to follow the world as Christians sometimes and we get it backwards. You know what we want? We want our thoughts established first without committing our works to the Lord. And here's what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean you just stop thinking about what you're going to do and just run into things without thinking. That's not what that means. But what it does mean is if you want your mind settled, you've got to commit yourself to the Lord first. Yeah. Amen? You've got to. You know, I talked about this world being, you know, all these plans and everything else. You know what? This world is in a crisis yeah. in their minds. It's a crisis. I'm telling you, mental health is going downward and fast. No matter what, I don't have any stats, but just look around you. It's getting worse and worse. It's not getting better. Well, why? Why is this a problem? Why are people not in the right minds? Well, I think the first two verses give us some hints. Many are unsettled because they're doing what they feel is best, right? They're just following what see, looks good in their own eyes. That's verse one. And then verse two, they don't, they don't take any concern for they're going to have to stand before the Lord. That leads to a big part of the problem. But unfortunately, us as the church, we like to follow the world's footsteps sometimes. But here's what I've seen. I've seen Christians who aren't settled on God's plan or God's purpose for their own life. Whatever you want to call it, a calling, a passion, a purpose, a plan, whatever, it's all the same thing. And you know what I've seen people do? Because they don't know or they don't understand or they're not quite sure. So I'm just going to sit here and wait until something happens. And I wonder, what is that something you're waiting on? Are you waiting on an audible voice from the Lord to tell you something? Are you waiting on lightning to strike? Are you waiting on some miracle for God to show you what he wants you to do? He does not work that way. He does not. And if you just are going to wait and wait and sit and that voice from heaven never comes and it becomes an excuse for you and your mind is unsettled. Has anyone been there? Are you there right now? What happens? You're just waiting and waiting and you're thinking, well, how do I get out? I'll tell you how you get out by the authority of God's word. Commit thy works unto the Lord and thy thoughts shall be established. You know what he's saying? I know the world does it this way, but you're going to have to do it the other way. You know why? Because the other way, the Bible way, requires faith. You've got to commit to the Lord first. 
You've got to commit to him first in salvation. Right? Your mind's not going to be at peace if you're still in your sins. Yeah. And then as a Christian, you're going to have to commit to serving the Lord wherever he leads you before your mind is settled too. Well, I don't know if I, I, I don't know, Mike. I don't know if I'm with you right there. Well, what about Abraham in the Bible? What did God do? He called him out of Ur, his homeland, his nation where he lived, and said, go to Canaan. Right? Leave your kindred, leave your father's house, leave Ur. That's all the Lord said to Abraham. That's it. You can go back and look at it. Genesis. That's it. And what did Abraham have to do? He had to decide. Am I going to do it? Am I going to walk away from everything I know? From everything that's familiar? Am I going to really do it? And do you realize Abraham had the least amount of information at that point? Until, not when he started walking, when he got all the way to Canaan. Remember, he took a side trip there in Haran for a while. God wouldn't give him any details there. It was until he got all the way to Canaan that finally God gave him more of his plan for his life. If Abraham would have never left Ur, he would have never figured out God's plan for his life to make him a father of many nations and everything else. And guess what? I believe based on the way the Bible works, what I've seen in this verse, you and I are not going to find that either. If we don't step out and do what God's called us to do, we're not going to figure out more about God and more about ourselves and what his plan for our life is. It's just that simple. I'm thinking, Mike, well, I don't know. And listen to me. I want to know all the details right up front. Right? There's no faith in that. There's no faith in that. you got to trust. And you realize this, this continues through Abraham's entire life. God gives, the more he trusts, the further he goes with the Lord, he gets a little more information. God's not changing the promise with Abraham. He's adding a little more clarity to it, a little more details to it, until finally Abraham realized this is where I need to be. He was confused for a while about where the son should come from. Should it be my servant? Should it be Ishmael? What did he do? He just kept trusting the Lord. And as time went by and he continued to walk by faith, the Lord made things more clear in his life. And here's the problem. We, from time to time, are trying to sit there and get everything established in our mind and wait till everything seems right. I'll tell you what I've learned as a Christian. Some of the worst decisions you can make are when the planets seem like they're all aligned. Where's God in that? That's just us doing something that seems good. What did verse 1 talk about? What did Proverbs 14, you know, talking about things seeming good, but that they don't end up working out. We just got to trust God. So here's the thing. We can commit ourselves to the Lord and find our minds settled, or you can continue down the same path because you think you're all right and you think everything's fine. And live a lifetime in an unsettled mind. I don't want that. I don't want that. So verse 1 tells us to follow the Lord's plan. Verse 2 tells us to look through the Lord's eyes. Verse 3 tells us to commit to serving the Lord. And it, you think about it. If we do these things, we're ready for judgment, right? We're ready. Uh, our, our life should match God's word. And we should get a, a settled, established mind. But the, really, the thing is, those are good results. Uh, but why should we really do this? 
Well, I'm glad you asked. Look at verse four. Look at the beginning. The Lord hath made all things for himself. That's the first half. Do you see that? The Lord hath made all things for himself. If you didn't know this already, the Lord created you. He created me. He created this earth we're on. He created the trees and the animals and everything else. He created it out of nothing by speaking it into existence. Amen. That's what the Lord did. And the first half of verse four tells us the sole reason the Lord created this earth and created everything in it, including you and I, was for himself. We could just stop and think about that, right? We were made for God. Not that he needed us, not that he needs us today. We're made for him, to serve him, to live for him. We're his, amen? That's what it says. And here's the thing. The one who creates something gets to decide the purpose of what he creates. Amen? Right? He gets to decide. Not us. He chose to create us, and his purpose for us, the creation, was for himself. So if you're struggling over your purpose in life, I can tell you, number one, your purpose is to please God, because it's for all of us. Amen? And here's the thing that goes with that. Whether or not you and I please ourselves, whether or not you and I please those around us, doesn't matter. Ooh, oh my. Well, we better shut off the camera, right? We better, we better stop the recorder, right? That doesn't work right now, does it? I don't care. Neither does God. He created us. If you don't like it, create yourself. Amen? If you don't like it, create your own earth and go to it. Even if you could, he's still God. Amen? What's this world wants us to do all the time? Please yourself. Please ourselves. Do what's right in your own eyes, right? Do what seems good. And God says no. No. He chose. He created. It's up to him. What do you see when you turn on the TV? Sometimes you see preaching. What are they talking about? Are they talking about this? No. The TikTok sermons. I'm here to tell you, I can't compete with that, right? I can't compete with it. I, we don't have the dancers. We don't have the fancy stuff. We don't have the big band. We don't have all, I'm not saying all this stuff is bad, but I can't give you a soundbite that's going to appease this world and get a million likes if I follow what the Bible says. So guess what? I'll forgo a million likes and we'll get the truth out. Amen? Amen? Amen. That's what we've got to do. So when we're looking in the mirror in the morning, we need to ask ourselves, who am I going to please today? Am I going to please myself or am I going to please the Lord? The same Lord that not only created me, but came down to this earth because we were in sin and that sin separated us from him forever. And he loved us enough, not just to leave us in our sins, but to come to this earth, this awful sin cursed earth, to be born of a virgin, uh, uh, to live and to be hated and to be uh, rebuked and to be uh, yelled at and to be beaten and to be crucified on the cross so that we can find forgiveness of sin. That's the one that we are serving him today and if not you're not living your purpose you know what you're like 
What if I built a robot for one job and it couldn't do it? We'd say it's broken. Something's wrong with it. Guess what? God built you correctly. And he gave you the power to choose. Unlike the robot, you get to choose. He didn't build you wrong. He built you for a purpose. Now the choice is ours. I can go out and serve myself all these years. But what good is that? Because when I die, maybe I've amassed some money and different things. You know, they'll get the will out or the trust or whatever it is. They'll start divvying things out. Right? And then after a while, it's pretty much gone. Listen, I've seen a lot of people get big old settlements, big old inheritances. And what it took people a lifetime to build, I've seen people spend in weeks. I've seen it. I was amazed the other day. I saw $200,000 be spent in, in just a month. It's shocking. And you're going to pour all your life into that. Or you can do something that will have eternal, eternal results. Long after many of those before us that were Christians have died, we are still reaping the benefits from the work that they have done. And guess what? If this world continues as faithful as we are during our life, God will continue to use that long after we're gone. Amen? And when the Lord calls us home, when we meet him in the air, he says, the re- and my reward, the reward is with me. Yeah. And then when we go to see the place that he's gone away to prepare, remember, we're created for him, yet he wants us to live with him. He wants us to be a joint heir with Jesus Christ. This stuff doesn't make sense to me. Amen? Because he loves us. So the choice is ours. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Who are we going to live for? Who are we going to live for? So it starts off by whose plan are you going to do? Your plan or his plan? Because he's got the final say. Whose eyes are you looking through? Your eyes or the Lord's eyes? Because he judges in the heart. Who are you serving today? Are you committing your works to the Lord? Because that's the only way your thoughts are going to be established. And are you remembering that you and I are created for him? And that's it. And that's it. I'm going to ask everyone to